Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Line Ministries. Great to be with all of you today. Uh, we're doing something a little different in our audio. I hope it's going to come through nice and clear, loud and clear. We are broadcasting on Facebook, Rev Media, and on YouTube under Omega Radio. So for those of you that are with us early in the morning, God bless you. And good morning, Pastor Vincent and Daniel Second. Not, not today, Brother Kevin. Today we have Brian and Kathy going to be calling in from Tennessee and uh, we'll see what did Arkansas, what, and what did Tennessee, what Arkansas, something like that. There's an old little movie about that or funny thing about it. So anyways, good morning. God bless everybody. And uh, it is Wednesday. This is uh, one of our uh, very, very awesome get over the, uh, the hump days. Today we uh, have our Bible studies uh, in the evening. We had a great Bible study last night, by the way. And uh, great interaction with the body of Christ. And uh, it's just amazing how good God really is and what he's doing in the life of believers all over the world. And I trust that he's doing a great work in your life as well. So I'm going to wait for Brian and Kathy. They're going to be calling in, and then we're going to see if this system works right now because 
for some reason, Blog Talk Radio um, <clears throat> did not give me the ability to uh, use the microphone. So I'm doing it through my phone on Blog Talk Radio. So I trust the people on Blog Talk Radio right now are hearing uh, our conversation. So uh, Kevin Hauger, Brian and Kathy, sorry. Yeah, it's okay, Kevin. You know that. Uh, and we're going to miss you tonight. God bless you. Hope uh, Happy anniversary, by the way, Kevin. Uh, now I'm just reminded why you're not going to be with us tonight, because it's your anniversary. And uh, God bless you and your lovely wife. And I, I forget to ask you how many years uh, you all have been married, but I think it's been a while, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think you're into the 30-year 30, 30 realm. Tell me, Kev, uh, put the link to the uh, for Rev Media, please. The link to Rev Media. Okay, so if you want to listen to this broadcast on um, Rev Media, which would be just going to our webpage at omegaradio.org. So if you look at that, at 38 years. I was close, Kevin. I said 37, and uh, we're a little slushy here in the morning. But if you go to omegaradio.org, um, omegaradio.org. That's how you're going to connect to Rev Media. You should be able to hear uh, the broadcast live on Rev Media going through Omega Radio. So go to omegaradio.org and then you just click on the watch live or listen live and both of those should be working for you. Um, but I think the watch live is where the Rev Media really comes in. So one way or the other, and I trust that we are being heard loud and clear on our uh, blog talk radio uh, with the way we're doing this is just a little bit different. And um, praise the Lord. Praise God. So, all right. Well, Kevin, again, happy anniversary, 38. That's right, because we were talking about 38 being a very special year. Um, I recall now our conversation. So uh, blessings, blessings uh, to the Hauger family and to the Hauger couple. Thanks for staying together. Thanks for battling through. Thanks for having a testimony uh, of what it means to live uh, in marriage for 38 years faithfully and uh, growing in love one towards another. It's quite a testimony in uh, the, the world that we live in where relationships are very fleeting. Uh, people are very fickle. They don't like something. They, they vominos, they, they split, but you guys are staying the course. Um, Carol Page, Carrie says, not on Facebook yet. So I'm not sure why we would have any problem uh, on Facebook. I don't understand that at all. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Facebook page. So um, I let Brian and Kathy know that they were going to be joining us on the air, so we'll wait for them. In the meantime, I was studying two things this morning. I was studying climate control and um, global warming and listening to what uh, some of the encyclopedias had to say about that. And I was also looking at the, uh, the background of the, the master race, the Aryan white race, the uh, superior race uh, that was being advocated. And I found something very interesting about that, uh, that it was a Jewish man by the name of Rosenberg that was part of the Nazi party. Now, isn't that such a dichotomy that he was showing them how the, uh, the German people or the, those connected to the, uh, the master race in uh, Arianism, uh, that this Rosenberg explained to them why they are. 
Maybe we'll get into that in just a little bit. Before I go any further, let me welcome to the broadcast, Brian and Kathy. And uh, good morning, Brian and Kathy. God bless both of you. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you just loud and clear. We are blessed and supernatural. Good morning. You're blessed and supernaturally favored. I I agree. I agree. (laughs) So what have you guys been studying this week? What's been going on in your world? And What's happening? Kathy's looking at me like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was actually like, I was paying, paying attention to the global economic scene, and, um, you know, there's, there's so much hype and, and confusion. The market's about to crash. The dollar's about to crash. And so I started looking into, you know, what, what Scripture says about um, – about fiat currencies, right? And and in, in James chapter five, you know, um, he says, "Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you." And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, and you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. And so, you know, I'm just, I, I, yeah, I used to do currency trading um, back um, right around the time, around 2007, when the first housing crash came. And I think you were talking about that, um, about that a little bit yesterday. But, um, you know, and and I had friends of mine that were, were buying houses like crazy because they thought they were going to, you know, they were, they were going to get a great deal on it. And uh, I had one guy who told us that, you know, hey, I can put you in a, he was a mortgage broker. He said, I can put you in a million dollar house today and you don't even need to have a job. You know, he said, uh, no, thank you. And I warned my friends, you know, and, and sure enough, you know, it was the, the housing market peaked and then people were buying like crazy as it peaked and then it crashed. And a lot of them don't have their houses today. <clears throat> and so I just see this, like, the same kind of thing playing out, you know. But so I just was thinking, like, what, is, you know, what, what does the Bible actually say about, you know, about money? And, and believe it or not, you know, I've, I have always, like, um, kind of stuck to the, uh, the narrative that, that uh, the dollar is backed by is, – is the petrodollar. And the only reason why the dollar exists today is because it's backed by oil. And, um, and, and, and that took place when uh, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard back in 1971, I think it was. And, but that's actually, turns out that that's actually at least partially hype because what actually happened was Saudi Arabia and the United States actually got together and collaborated with the idea of overthrowing the Shah of Iran by creating a recession, which led to revolution inside the country, and, and, and they succeeded. But what's, what's interesting is that the first mention of, of fiat currency is actually in Genesis 2316. And, um, and it says, Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants. And so even right at the very beginning of time, they were – they were just deciding what something was going to be worth, not based on any, any, that it was tied to any real worth or anything, but they were just agreeing amongst themselves about what something was worth. 
And that's, that's exactly what we have on the market today. We have, as far as the Forex goes, the, the, just the big banks just agree on what something is going to be worth, and then it's worth that. And so for people that are, are thinking that, well, gold and silver are going to save them in the last days when, when currency fails, well, they just do this, they, they'll just continue to do the same thing. They'll just decide what something is worth. And if it benefits them, it'll be worth a lot. And if it doesn't benefit them, it's going to be worth nothing. <clears throat> so the people would basically have to determine the value in a, in a, in a bartering crisis, for example, where, you know, if you need a tractor, you know, here is some gold. Um, I'm thinking we're having some, some issues with our sound, but um, so let's see. What's, what, let me just see what Ken's doing here, real quick. Hold on. What we have is uh, just this technical issue. For some reason, Blog Talk Radio today decided that they didn't want uh, uh, us to have the microphone use, and I'm not sure why that happened. Probably just a technical issue uh, on some end, but uh, they're saying that you sound like you're in a tin can because you're coming through my phone, and uh, I'm not even sure on Blog Talk Radio if we're getting through at all. But... Um, Anyways, yeah, that's really important information. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going. Even if you sound like you're in a tin can, we'll do the best we can, Brian and Kathy. Um, I'm, I'm reaching out on the, uh, the Facebook and YouTube, seeing if our sound is coming through loud and clear, uh, what it's sounding like. I'm not sure the microphone is in use at all, so we may all be going through the phone. But, um, you know, when you, when you step into this environment and suddenly you say that um, – you know, this, this climate, this environment is at the door. Um, you know, are you sensing in your heart that there is going to come a uh, financial collapse here, like momentarily? What are you thinking in your heart? Well, it's, I, I, I know it has to happen at some point, but they've been kicking the can down the road. And today the, the Federal Reserve is supposed to raise the, uh, the interest rate by, you know, 75 basis points, so 0.75%, which is, you know, a pretty big hike. And they've been hiking things, and allegedly it's to fight inflation. But then when that happens, you know, the value of the dollar goes up, and, and normally the, uh, the stock market uh, tanks. But um, that's the normal correlation because the stocks are kind of usually a hedge against the dollar. If one goes up, the other goes down. And so if you're invested in both, if you have dollars and you have stock, the idea is that you're, you're going to do okay either way. And the same thing with gold. But, you know, gold, is, um, gold has been really severely, severely undervalued for a really, really long time. And, and even though anybody that knows anything about gold and silver knows that the, the, number, the amount of gold that's sold on paper, right, which is just enough, basically another form of fiat currency, is – you know, far, far exceeds the actual supply of, of physical gold and physical silver. And, you know, most people that invest in gold and silver look at that like with, you know, eager anticipation of the day when it all comes together and the price of gold goes up to, you know, $10,000 an ounce. But that doesn't necessarily have to happen, you know, because it's really it's, it's, it's governments and, and the powers that be that, that actually control everything, not actually just price action as it should be. And just because ex corruption gets exposed, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't change anything. 
And if anybody knows about the history of the Federal Reserve in 1913, when basically you have all the Rothschilds and all the, all the, the globalist elites that have been in power since time immemorial got together at Jekyll Island and they, you know, they formed the Federal Reserve and they took the power of the purse away from Congress and put it into the hands of a, basically foreign shareholders in the Federal Reserve Bank. And so, you know, I think just when I, when, when I read this, the Bible, it's, it's, you know, Jesus said not to store up treasures where, where you know, where moth, can, um, uh, uh, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It's, uh, he said, lay up treasures in heaven. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying there's anything, there's anything wrong or even, I think it's wise to be considering like a barter system, but I just don't think that, I think tractors and chickens and things like that are probably going to be worth a lot more than people that are are hoarding gold and silver thinking that they're going to come out on the back end of everything and be rich. And what about people that are doing absolutely nothing to prepare because they laughed at the idea of Noah and preparing his ark, or they de-emphasized the necessity of doing such a thing when, uh, you know, the, the absolute clarion call of Jesus is it would be like the days of Noah, and the obvious reality of that is, um, you know, prepare. And so now people are going to start feeling the crunch a little bit, and items are going to start stop going through at some point, and there's going to be shortages of, of all these different things. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I understand along the line people were saying, well, you know, don't get caught up in all of that. You know, a huge majority of people were saying that the, you know, the uh, the rapture was going to come and we wouldn't have to worry about these things. Um, but how real is it now that the potential for a massive crisis, uh, you know, in, in the food sector and uh, the supply chain and uh, devaluation of everything and the quality of goods going down and, and people find themselves like after a hurricane uh, without any resources whatsoever uh, because they didn't take it seriously. Um, you know, that, that sounds like a pretty dangerous scenario. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's inevitable. And, you know, when I look at world history, you know, we had, we had two world wars, and, and, and both of them, both of them ended with an attempt to create a global government, a new world order. The first one in World War II, after World War II failed, and then the, the League of Nations, and then we had the, uh, you know, the UN after World War II, and the idea is like, well, we're not going to have any more wars. And that's one, of the, that's one of the benefits of globalization, where everybody's dependent, every country's dependent on each other for trade and currency and everything else, and, and, but then you also sacrifice your, your, your human rights, thing, namely, you know, freedom of religion over the course of time and freedom to, like, to, to follow God's law as above man's law. And so I, I, I sense that they're really trying to create a similar, a similar crisis where it ultimately results in a world war. And, but I think maybe this one will be the one that actually results in, in the, uh, the Revelations 13 global government that we see there. Well, that's not surprising. And I think of people that live in North American continent in a land called America, uh, a system called the United States of America, need to realize that uh, we are, you know, the citizens here are in the middle of a battle of some sort with globalization and, uh, you know, just being a simple uh, democracy or an independent sovereign nation, they've been eroding that sovereignty because in order to have a one-world government, you have to rule over all the nations of the earth. 
And so the American people I'm hearing right now in uh, Delaware, in other places in the Northeast, uh, that they're, the ATF is going door to door confiscating guns or demanding to see the serial numbers to make sure that they're all legal. And then they're going to Indiana, supposedly. And then after Indiana, they're going into Missouri. And I think a lot of people are about to encounter a more militant force in our nation. Uh, and it's coming at us in a different way than some people may have proposed. But, uh, you know, it, it is real. It is happening. It is coming. Um, and so uh, what's, what's going on here? Is this a battle, you know, a real battle um, that we're going to see on, on, this, on this ground? I, 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 imagine, I imagine we will see it in different pockets. I don't. I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, um, unified, full-on civil war. Although that's possible, I think that. Uh, you know, I think that that uh, the people that need to understand that the United States is not Israel. And I think a lot of people read the Bible as if the United States is Israel, and the church has completely replaced the Jews. And if we're in if we read Romans 11, it's, it's, it's very, very, very clear that, that we are grafted in and God is going to bring a Jewish remnant and a Christian church together as a bride of Christ in the end. And that's, that's what we're marching toward. We're not marching toward, you know, uh, you know uh, make America great again. It was a nice idea, but we're not marching towards make America great again. And if we look at the moral um, fabric of the United States, it's on one hand, you know, on one hand, it's, uh, you know, we have the obvious overt sins of Sodom, you know, and Jesus said it would be worse for, 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 uh, than, than Sodom for those who participate in these things. But, you know, at the same time, I think it's Ezekiel 16 where, where there's a rebuke there about our, your sister Sodom. And, but they're not talking about, he's not talking about um, that, that, you know, sins like homosexuality and transgenderism and all these, and, and abortion and things like that specifically, what he talks about is, is not taking care of the poor, not caring for, you know, and living in the lap of luxury, basically. That's not the exact scriptural words, but that's the basic idea. And, you know, I, I think that what I see, having been in, um, lived in a third world country in Central America for five and a half years as a missionary, and watching the um, uh, now I understand both sides of the argument. Watching the, the the perception of of many people in the church towards immigrants coming across the border, as if they're intentionally coming to you know invade the country and take everything from us. But you know, as a Christian, what I see is is immigrants coming across the border. It's I, I don't really care too much about the economics of it all. What I see is God bringing a mission field into the place where where we should be ministering to them. And the people that are coming from these countries are, are um, the majority of them are not gangsters. They're not MS-13. They are desperate, hungry, starving people looking for, for a, 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 a possibility of a better future for, um, for themselves and their families. And they're not told, oh, just go illegally. They're told, you'll be welcome. Just go. Just go to the border. You'll be welcome. It'll be fine. And, and I think that our attitude towards them sometimes reflects more the fact that we want to preserve our comfortable, um, affluent lifestyle that we have in the United States at their expense. And, and, and so I think there's a sin within the church. And, God, and Jesus said judgment comes first to the, to the house of God. And so we're going to be judged first for our attitudes. And so I, I really think that 
you know, in terms of economics and, and, and people that are desperately hanging, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, but people that are desperately hanging on to patriotism and preserving the United States of America and the life that they've known, uh, <clears throat> that there's, there's, there's going to be some judgment there. It's we, we are not to lay up our treasures here on earth. We are not to depend on our treasures here on earth. We are to be, seek God's wisdom and be obedient to what he tells us to do. And so if he's telling us to, you know, prepare a Goshen for those who are going to be fleeing, that's one thing. If he's telling us to, de- to defend ourselves and defend our, our property and, 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 our, and our affluent life with guns and, and, and at the expense of human life, I think we're going to find ourselves uh, on the wrong end of judgment. Yeah, you know, when it comes to judgment, again, uh, the idea is that the word, every single time it's used, it's in the realm of a crisis. And I go back to Israel, and I know that God had Israel as a, as a sovereign, independent nation. It had borders, and uh, the foreigners that came into that land were to be submitted to the God of Israel. And, you know, there were certain laws protecting that, and every time that the enemy would come in, it was a sign of judgment upon the nation and so the people would actually invade their land and they would come into their land and they would bring their gods and you know this judeo-christian united states of america and you know the the population of the jews one of the largest population of the jewish people or israelis or hebrews at that time um that what we're witnessing with the border is judgment it is it is a crisis now in the midst of every crisis there is an opportunity and so what you're saying is that the church um, is not defending the, the, you know, the, the breaking of the law of these foreign countries that are pouring in and the political agenda behind it. Uh, we're recognizing it is judgment, but in the midst of this judgment, we can save souls if we're a diligent church to be out there. And then as far as, you know, people in this country having a Second Amendment right to bear arms and after fighting a revolutionary war and a civil war and, you know, fighting, you know, uh, World War One and World War Two and all that stuff and abroad, um, the United States has always been viewed as a, a uh, you know, as a very uh, bold people, a very brave people, and uh, we haven't been attacked from without. Abraham Lincoln said that, you know, the only way we'll ever die is by national suicide, and it seems like that suicidal spirit is really operating strongly within our nation. It's being infiltrated from within. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a demonization for somebody to own a gun. I don't think it's a demonization for somebody to protect their land. I like the way we do it. So far, so good. We trust God. We trust his angels. We trust in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we thank the Lord for everything he does. So it, it is a very difficult road to handle, but we are preparing to see, um, you know, those foreign um, nations walking upon our land and seeing a more militant uh, aggressive, perhaps far-left agenda coming against what uh, they have demonized as white supremacists and Christians and Bible-loving people who believe in the book of Revelation. And, you know, this could get a little bit sloppy here in just a little bit. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to get very sloppy and very complicated. And I think there's going to be a lot of, lot of, um, in the natural, you know, in terms of our history, as a people, as the United States of America, and again, I'm an ex-Marine, so it's like I get it, that I think there's the greatest temptation is going to be we're going to have to choose. Um, we're going to have to choose. Are we, are we, uh, are we going to stand and, and 
for the kingdom of God, or are we going to stand for the kingdom of the United States of America? And while the United States of America is like the fact that we existed, we're, we we are the we produced the largest missionary movement ever to grace to, to grace the face of the earth, and a large part of the reason why the gospel went out into so many unreached people groups is because we existed. And if we didn't, it probably it might not have happened. Um, but at the same time, the United States is not the kingdom of God, and we're coming to a time where I think that the line is being drawn in the sand. And we've got to stand on, on exclusively stand on biblical principles. You know, and in Revelation 13, there's a point where I forget where, what verse it says, but it's like those, those who be killed with the sword will be killed by the sword. And those, you know, destined for captivity into captivity, they will go. And, and it's, um, you know, who that's going to be, we don't know. But we, all, but we do know in Revelations 12, 11, it says they overcame him, the, the Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. And I think that the, the last part, they did not love their lives unto de- death, is, in my experience, one of the most often omitted scriptures, often omitted parts of the verse. People love to say the, word of their te- the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, but they don't say that love not their lives unto death. And that's, that's the position that we have to be in. It doesn't mean we go commit suicide and do stupid things and don't, you know, and don't go into Goshen's and prepare Goshen's and whatnot. But when it, come, when, when, the, when it comes down to actually using violence and actually sending people to hell, you know, rather than standing for the gospel and losing our lives if necessary, I think we're, I think we're walking, I think we're in a lot of trouble. <clears throat> you know, Brian, um, I agree that, you know, the United States is not the kingdom of heaven, but we have, uh, a tremendous amount of uh, evidence that this was a covenant nation. And what I mean by that is that the founding fathers, uh, not, and I'm talking about the genuine founding fathers here. I'm going back to the 1600s. Um, and one of the mm-hmm. scriptures that are, is very interesting that applied to Israel of old seems to be the absolute same story for the American people. You know, when they came here, they planted a, cross on the ground uh, on the shores uh, in the northeast and they declared in virginia that this was uh, a country that would be given to the lordship of jesus christ and we have so many documents of a covenanted nation and there's and and in jeremiah chapter 2 it begins uh and i'll just pick it up in verse 4 hear ye the word of the lord o house of jacob and all the families of the house of israel thus saith the lord what iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof, but when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. And so there's this little tiny, you know, bit of, um, you know, likeness here that the people of God in the days of Israel, he brought them out of, you know, the land of tyranny. Uh, and, and for America, the same thing, people fled to this country because they wanted to get away from the religious persecutions that were going on. And they fled here and they planted their cross and they declared this to be a covenant nation. So as a covenant nation, America was a very blessed nation, a very prosperous nation. It was a God-fearing nation, a very moral nation. 
And only in this last generation have we seen the exponential rise of immorality, the exponential rise of godlessness, the exponential rise of a people that have said, you know what, God is, you know, we're no longer a Christian nation. That means at one point it was viewed as a Christian nation, and the kingdom of God was active in the nation. So, you know, what do you do with that level of information where now because we're backslidden, now because we're defiled, now because, you know, we, we live as though we're not? Your thoughts? Well, yes, the first thing I think about is, yeah, the, the pilgrims, actually, they, they absolutely entered into a covenant with God based on the one that, that God made with Israel. And I guess the thing that always catches my mind is catches in my mind is that, you know, the, the covenant between God and Israel was a covenant that God made with Israel. And then the covenant that made by our founding fathers, the pilgrims, when they landed at Plymouth Rock, were, was a, a, a um, covenant that man initiated and entered in with God. You know, and so I'm not, and I think that has a lot to do with what what ultimately resulted in replacement theology, where where people believe that the Jews are rejected completely, totally rejected, um, and and that the church replaced uh, the the Jews, and that the United States became Israel, and not everybody is is so blatantly. Um, blatantly thinking that way, but, but it, it permeated. It's like a little leaven leavens a whole loaf. And, and so many denominations today are actually hold on to that, that, that theology without even realizing it. You know, they've just like, it's just something that they've been raised with. And I remember the, um, when we were in, in uh, missionary school in, in, in Mozambique back in 2016, uh, we had a lot, a lot of European students there. There were about 350 students total, and probably 75% of them were from Europe. And uh, we had a, there was a, a group that came in from Israel that, that there was a mission there in Israel, and they were, you know, their, their goal was to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And, and they asked the question, they asked people to raise their hands, how many people have been told that the Jews were rejected and that, that the Christian church is, is all there is now? And, and, the majority of the Europeans there raised their hand. And so the, the very idea that, that the Jews were actually God's chosen people um, were, was, um, you know, just completely foreign to them. And, and what, where I'm getting to with this is that, yes, I think that, that that's one error that came out of that covenant that the pilgrims made. And I also think that, but still at the same time, I think that um, God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus was there at the creation in the beginning. Jesus was there when, uh, the, um, when the Jews, you know, committed the exact same sins, the same abominations that the, that the United States is guilty of as a nation. And I, I think that we can expect that if God judged Israel for doing the same things that we're doing today, that we can expect that we're going to be judged in a similar manner. So, okay, very good. Again, just for conversation's sake here, and uh, really kind of digging into this. So in the book of Acts, when the early church went out and they went everywhere around the world and they brought the gospel and cities were turned upside down and the people, you know, entire cities were born again. I mean, people got filled with the spirit of God. It would appear to me that God, if he's sending his church into these different places and people are responding to the gospel, that the kingdom of God would be established within those arenas and that God, the presence of God would be there confirming what was intended to do. So when I look in 70 AD, I see that Israel is wiped out, that Jerusalem is gone, 
the people are scattered all over the world. That situation is wrapped up and come to an end, and the gospel is now being preached around the world. So you have these, uh, these Puritans and the people that were, uh, you know, over, and it was getting tyrannical with uh, Mother England and all that stuff. And so they're praying to God. They're seeking the face of God. They have a revelation and a dream. They make that journey through the wilderness of the Atlantic Ocean. They come here. They establish a, 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 a system of government based upon the kingdom of God. So my thought is, well, how could God just ignore that? And yet we know that there are testimonies after testimonies of God's intervention uh, to the people that came to this nation, and that I really believe that God blessed this nation and was part of this nation. It was in the, in, I don't think he was just standing far off saying, well, that's your covenant, but I'm not involved in that because they brought the fresh air of liberty and the gospel here. So, you know, it's just to me, but then that covenant was broken and God hates covenant breaking. And that's the judgment that we're beginning to see right now. Thoughts? Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's, they came with a, with, with, uh, with a pure intention to make a covenant with God and they, they did their best. And, um, you know, again, I mean, if the reason, if it weren't for them, then the greatest missionary movement and the, and the spread of the gospel across the earth might not have happened. You know, maybe God sure. would have accomplished it a different way, but he, he used the United States. So I'm not in any way suggesting that the United States was not at one point a righteous nation. What I'm saying is we are no longer a righteous nation. And, um, and I think that we are, we are under judgment and, and just, but so by that same token, if we understand that we're under God's judgment, you know, it's, it, it go, you go back to the book of Jeremiah and God warned them, you know, it's like, you're going into captivity and if you submit to them, then you'll live. And if you don't, you'll die, you know? And so I forgot the name of the King that Jeremiah warned, but, uh, he died, <laughs> you know, and I, and I yeah, think exactly. that, uh, I, 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 I really sense that we're, we're in a place now where it's, we'd not, it's not our job to focus on preserving a government here on earth. We need to be exclusively focused on, on what takes place that ushers in the God's kingdom here on earth. Yeah, and I think we would both agree, and I, I totally agree with that, um, that in the United States right now, there is a civil war that has broken out. Uh, it began with uh, perhaps uh, the reality of it being a word war, um, and then it grows into criticism, and then you turn it into a January 6th congressional hearing. You know, uh, one of the things interesting about the January 6th issue, by the way, is it reminds me of Jesus when they arrested him, and they had this mock trial in the middle of the night when nobody was really there, and there was no evidence being presented by both sides. All they did was demonize him. And I look at the January 6th congressional hearing, quote, unquote, as a demonization of everything Trump, everything that supported Trump, everything that was, you know, a part of Trump. Uh, And this is coming from an enmity, an animosity, and it's not about Trump, but in our own nation, there's a mock trial going on demonizing everybody. And uh, that's not going to fare well because uh, this is not that kind of a nation. This is a very armed nation. And I see the nothing but the inevitability of an actual physical, violent civil war breaking out in this country uh, because of the pressures that are being applied, because of the demonization that's going on. People in this country aren't going to allow that to happen uh, for so long. And there is a people or there are people waiting um, in the wings being very patient right now with what's happening. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that you're going to see 
uh, pockets of, of violent civil war, or at least um, violence with, with that type of action in mind, I, I think it's futile. I, and, I, and I ultimately, I personally believe it's, it, it's anti-gospel. Donald Trump is, it was a nice idea, you know, to make America great again, to make it, to bring it back into the place that uh, where, you know, where we would be a prosperous nation again, the prosperous, righteous nation and, and a beacon of freedom on the earth. And uh, I, I just, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think a lot of that stuff comes from, I think you were talking about uh, some different pastors. I won't mention their names, but, you know, one in Nebraska and, and some of the some of the, the the Trump prophets are still saying that Donald Trump is going to you know uh, take get get control, still be the president eventually in 2024. Of course, they said he was going to be the president in 2020, and that he's going to make America great again. And again, it's like I think they've got it backwards. It's like you know he's uh, they're looking at Donald Trump as he was like a typological Cyrus, but but if you're going to look at things typologically, you got to look at the fact that God didn't like God didn't put leaders in to make a people righteous. God granted them good leaders because when they were a righteous nation and, and, and he gives us bad leaders when we have, when uh, he gave them bad leaders when they were not righteous. And, and so we're more, our culture is more akin to Israel just before it went into captivity. And, and people like us are, are on the airwaves and we're, we're like what Jeremiah was doing for 40 years, claim, telling people yeah. you need to repent. You need to clean your house. You need to get ready. This is not, this is not the time to beat the 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 uh, um, you know the 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 Ninevites and, and all the people that that attacked the Assyrians that attacked and punished Israel. Um, they'll get theirs eventually, just like it did in Isaiah 10. He used the Assyrians to punish Israel, then he punished the Assyrians for punishing Israel. It's uh, it's um, it's just this is just not the time for us to be standing up, picking up arms, and trying to preserve our lifestyle. That I don't believe that is what God is telling us to do. We have to depend exclusively on him. And if, if my life is preserved, it's going to be supernaturally preserved the way he's demonstrated so many times when we were on the mission field, so many times that we thought we were going to die, and so many times he came through. And the reason why he came through is because we were doing our very best to walk in obedience to him, and that is the greatest, that's the greatest offensive and defensive weapon that we can possibly have at our disposal. Because we're all appointed a day to die, and if we're really walking in obedience to him, then we don't need to be worrying about taking up natural means and trying to preserve our natural lifestyles. Yeah, amen. I like it. And I think that's the call to the remnant. There's no doubt about it. That's the remnant call. But what we do foresee in the realm of judgment, and I totally agree with you, and we never change that position, um, there is no turning back for America. America crossed the point of no return. I believe in 2003, and I think that's been confirmed over the last 19 years that it's not going back. Um, and even if there were a Donald Trump presidency, which I highly doubt that we're even going to get there, quite frankly and honestly, um, it would only accelerate like it did in 2016, an acceleration of violence and division. Uh, I do believe we're going to see civil war. People are going to take up arms. There is going to be a revolutionary, violent civil war mentality in this nation, um, but it's not something that you're looking at to save America. I view that as the judgment itself because therein many people are going to die. And as a matter of fact, we were talking about this this morning, about the necessity of a population reduction probably going to accelerate uh, exponentially right now 
uh, the reduction of the population. I think those um, Georgia Guidestones that were suggesting 500 million people on the planet, that's less, that's a half a billion people in a world that is now nearing 8 billion, as I understand it, uh, even if it's only 7 billion, that's 6.5 billion people that would have to be eradicated off the earth. And some of the justification for that kind of population reduction from the mind of man is, well, all these human beings are demanding so much energy and it's creating this climate control and this, uh, you know, this upheaval of the weather patterns and these energy crises. Uh, we need to, and so the Bible actually predicts a massive population reduction in the book of Revelation. And you mentioned something at the top of the hour about everything is moving in the direction of that one world government. And the very last thing that really happens prior to that global government is that sixth trumpet war where nearly two billion people are eradicated off the face of the earth through war along with hunger and drought and food supply issues and pestilence. All these things are combining. A lot of people are about to lose their lives, Brian and Kathy, and uh, your thoughts. No, yeah, every, everything is, is pointing to that happening. Um, and I think that, um, that you know, just li- I was listening to a, a podcast. I forgot which one it was just the other day. I was falling asleep to it. But, but if someone was explaining, I think Don has, has talked about this. But, the, you know, the Russian war doctrine, you know, we, we cut back our, 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 uh, our nuclear weapons and thinking that, meaning the United States, we, we cut back our nuclear weapon supply. And um, with the idea that, you know, a nuclear war is unwinnable, it's absurd, and so that all wars will actually be fought on, with conventional means. And, and so we got rid of a large majority of our nuclear weapons and, and, and developed conventional weapons. The Russians have a completely different and opposite uh, war strategy in that they, have, they believe that there's no way to win a conventional war with the United States and that if we, they did go to war, it was going to have to be nuclear. So they expanded their nuclear arsenal, which far exceeds ours in, in, in capability and in, in quantity. And, and their whole plan is if they do fight the United States in a war, that they're going to nuke us, and then they're going to come in and, and mop up with, with their limited conventional abilities. And the other thing that, that, I, that I learned that I didn't really realize, although I sensed it, but it was, it was really confirmed, is that it was back in 1992, um, uh, we thought that we were dividing China and Russia. And, they, and part of the communist doctrine was to kind of like present this illusion of, of of, of divisions amongst themselves that didn't exist. And that in 1992, there was apparently a secret uh, meeting or secret treaty formed between Russia and China where they were going to collaborate together to overthrow the United States. But the majority of what, of what they were planning on doing was doing this, this um, destruction from the inside out. And so, so much of what we see, especially since the 1970s with, you know, critical theory, which is really just neo-Marxism, and has completely disrupted us so that we're just devouring one another within the country. And whether we actually do it in terms of, of, uh, of uh, um, you know, all-out combat with firearms and whatnot is like, I don't think it's really necessary. We're, we're, we're devouring ourselves as a country. We're disunited more and more. There's, ever since Roe v. Wade was overturned, it's like the, the line is in the sand, you know, and um, – you know, and, and my question is, is what's going to be next? You know, I think I think it's going to be this the the upcoming elections in November, I, if we even have them. You know, I think it's just it's it, everything is just pushing us closer and closer and closer to the cliff. 
and um, and and I think you're going to see internal strife. I think you're going to see you're going to see some kind of um, nuclear exchange. Uh, you know, Kathy talks a lot about like the, she has a sense that it's going to be an EMP, which makes a lot of sense because China and Russia don't want to destroy all our infrastructure. They want to get rid of the people and preserve the infrastructure. And I think I think it's somewhere like around within just several months that, you know, 90% of the U.S. population would be wiped out by just an EMP, just from starvation and lack of medical services and whatnot. So, yeah, I think I think it's coming. Well, you know, that brings up an excellent point. And, again, in Goshen, they had plenty of light while Egypt went dark. And, you know, everything about this broadcast, what we're doing here, the reason why we've been doing this for as long as we've been doing this and then uh, the spirit of God bringing people like you and Kathy and uh, all the others that come in here isn't just to create a thematic drama of, you know, hey, this is scary. It's to get people ready. And when we first started broadcasting it, people were probably going, what are you talking about? The weather's fine out there. But things have changed. We have seen the development of the crises that the Word of God actually calls for. And so uh, what we're wanting to do is get people ready for the inevitable collapse and to get them to see with their mind's eye and by the Holy Spirit what it actually looks like. What does it look like in America with the lights out? What does it look like in the United States of America with a shortened food supply? What does it look like in America where the banks have collapsed? What does it look like when military powers are walking through your streets And you said it again, what Abraham Lincoln said, you know, and I paraphrase that we are committing national suicide by the way we've treated the almighty God, the way that we have rejected him, the way that we have forsaken him, and we're expecting him to be good to us in spite of our rebellion against him. And that's not what he's doing is withdrawing his hedge of protection. He's withdrawing his hand. And yet in pockets, like in Goshen, among the remnants, the obedient followers of Christ, there is a hedge of divine protection for them. I totally, 1,000% believe that. But the idea of this radio broadcast is to get people to wake up that that it's not going to just be okay tomorrow as it may have been yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that one of the things that really, I I feel like the Lord is speaking to me is out of Matthew chapter 24 where, where, um, brother will deliver up brother. And, um, you know, I think what I see potentially, and it would, I think the most dis- it disturbs me the most, is that I see the potential for this, the extreme um, nationalist MAGA, we've got to take up arms, we're, we're Christians, we've got to fight for this nation. I think that camp acts really being divided against People like in my camp that are saying, like, arms are not the way to go. Fighting is not the way to go. It's like we've got to draw closer to him. We've got to hear from him, take our marching orders from him. And there is, there is nothing. There is literally, there's not one thing in the New Testament that demonstrates the idea that we are supposed to take another man's life in, in self-defense. And I think you have to do, I know that people do a lot of, uh, uh, Old Testament, uh, they cite Old Testament scriptures, you know, where God ordered man to do something. They they quote Romans 13 as, as well, if it's not righteous, then it's like, then, then we're supposed to fight against the government. And then, uh, you know, people quote Jesus saying, like he told the, 
he, he told the, the uh, disciples to, to sell everything they needed to to buy a sword, and he, they got two, and he said, that's enough. But then they missed the point, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, as soon as, G, as, soon as Peter cut off Malchus's ear, he rebuked Peter and said, no more, and I think in Luke. And then, and then uh, in, I think it's Matthew where he tells him that, uh, are you going to prevent me from doing what I've been, what I've been, what I've been destined to do? And Luke, in, in Luke, he says, no more. And I, to me, that's the line drawn in the sand. And that is further evidenced by, by Jesus' response when he was before Pilate. He was like a lamb led to slaughter, as it said in Isaiah 53. He didn't fight. He told him, if my kingdom was of this world, my, 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 my followers would fight for me, and they did not because his kingdom is not of this world. And, um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, that we're going to see division in the, the so-called body of Christ where, where people are going to we, – we've seen the denominational divisions and people devouring their own, but I fear that we're, gonna, we're actually going to see something much worse than that as time goes on. And that's why I think we've really got to be committed to really, really, really being as obedient to the Lord. The leaven has got to get swept out. You know, we're coming up on the Feast of Tabernacles, and there's a, there's the Feast of Atonement, and we've got to really, really make it things really clear in our minds. That's exactly what this means to be obedient to God unto death. All right, very well. So the, uh, the idea is, you know, whether or not people are going to fight for America, uh, there's no reason to, because what we would be fighting for is for the leftist agenda, the globalization, uh, the right to be a homosexual, a lesbian, a transgender person, the right to slaughter innocent blood, uh, the right to see perversion flow out of the belly of the beast in Hollywood, uh, to continue on the corruption in uh, Washington, D.C., and many of our state's capitals, and uh, all the legislation and laws and the wickedness. So, no, there is no reason to fight for America. America has turned into a harlot. America has turned into a whore. America is Babylon. America is confused. Um, so the idea is come out of her, my people. And I was thinking about Masada, uh, what happened in 70 AD, I think it was, when, you know, the Romans were really, you know, doing their damage and doing their worst. Uh, the people went to Masada. I've been there. I've seen it uh, over down by the Dead Sea. And um, that area where they got onto the high place and they just – you know, rode out the storm as long as they possibly could because they didn't want to get, uh, you know, uh, going to be killed by the Romans or whatever. So they stood, they fought, they did the best they could, and then they committed suicide. And then people kind of liken that to Nazi Germany. I've always heard people say, gosh, all, you know, you got a few of these Nazis with their weapons, and you got all these millions of Jews that are just marching to their beat, and it's because they didn't have a weapon. They weren't able to defend themselves. But by God, if they did have a weapon, if they could have defended themselves against the Nazis, wouldn't they? Or would they have just said, well, this is God's will for me to go to a concentration camp and to get gas and to watch my children and my, my wife die and suffer and get raped and tortured? Uh, you know, that must have been God's will. So I think if they would have had weapons to defend themselves against that, they would have fought, um, you know, to the very bitter end, just not for their country, but for their own survival. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but you know what? I, I, I've forgotten about Mossadic. Kathy and I were, were, were up at the top there, too. And that is probably the best analogy, I think, for today and, and, and proof of the futility. I mean, there are other rebellions. There were, you know, 
there were the zealots. There was the Simon Barkova's rebellion that that ended the same way, you know. And and I think it was Barkova's rebellion that actually ended up with uh, with um, Judea being named Palestine, and and uh, because they wanted to eradicate any remnant of the Jews. And and so it's it's um it, it, it's really a question, I think, whether or not people are able to define the difference between man's will in God's name and God's will. You know, there's so many things that have been done in the name of Jesus that he didn't say to do, and they failed. And and that's why it's, um, if if God is telling you, if God, if you're, if you think fighting, if you think violence is, is an answer at this point in time in history, to, to this problem, then you better make sure you're actually hearing from God. And you better be able to confirm it by, by two or three witnesses and not just parts of Scripture and with the, to the, uh, you know, while just kind of like uh, expurgating the rest. So um, it's, it just, yeah. it really goes back to a very simple thing. We've got to be so intimate with God that we, because we are his sheep, we hear his voice and another we will not follow. And and I just think that a lot of people have got a lot of ideas in their head in God's name that have absolutely nothing to, to do with God's will. Okay, very good. If so the idea, again, is um, – I saw someone sharing a thought on this. Um, I thought I had a really good idea here. But um, the most important thing is our eternal soul. And, and I believe this with – my breath. I believe what I'm saying is I believe this. I wouldn't want to do anything that is going to forfeit my eternal standing before God and his goodwill and favor in my eternal existence. I don't I would rather die the death and know that I'll be with God as a martyr than to kill and 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 know that if I kill somebody um, I, ha- I am literally putting my eternal soul in jeopardy. You know, to me, yes. it's not worth it because anybody, even an 18-year-old kid, could go into a school and start murdering people. Anybody can do that. So I totally agree that for the Christian today that they need to, as you said, be very, very careful. And if you're spending more time, on your weapons and your ammunition and getting everything polished and getting everything ready to go. And and you're thinking that way more than getting your heart polished and getting your life cleaned up and getting your mind cleaned up and getting your attitude cleaned up and getting your salvation worked out. Uh, You may fall into a very precarious position uh, that could actually uh, endanger your eternal soul. Now, um, there's, there's a long history with all this stuff, Brian and Kathy, uh, people that have fought world wars, people who fought in the revolution, people who fought in the civil war. We have to ask the question, when they were in that civil war, when they fought that revolution, when they fought in World War II against the Nazis, uh, when they fought and they went out there as warriors and they fought to defend their country, and did every one of them that ever pulled the trigger and kill another person go to hell uh, and have they been fully, eternally rejected uh, for the warfare that they fought? Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I don't think so. I, but I don't know because you know it's um, 
You know, that's, that's where it comes in. We just, we really, really, really don't know. It's, uh, I, I think that there are a lot of, like, the best of the best of the best of people that, that went and fought. And whether those were God, wars that God sanctioned or not, I think, I think we'll have to leave that for when, when we get to heaven. I think, that, uh, I think that the population that we have today, you know, I had a, a, I think it was a Veterans Day. I, I posted a, on a Facebook story or something, I posted a, a short clip of a 100-year-old Marine Corps veteran who was talking about that basically saying that he would not fight for the country today. He said what they fought for back then was something completely different. I was not alive back then. You know, I did not walk in his shoes. I did not have his relationship with God. I did not have the, the men who were in, you know, they fought in Vietnam. I did not have their, I did not walk in their shoes. And, you know, and so it's really, it's really not for me to judge, but it was very interesting for to listen to this 100-year-old Marine, former Marine, say that he would not fight for America today, and that everything has just just gone down the tubes. And so, Amen. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Please. I just, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, I, I joined because I, I wanted to. I was willing to give my life for my country. You know. And I know that uh, I didn't go just because I was a serial killer and wanted to go murder people. I, I, I went because I believed in it. But, you know, part of what I was – part of the reason why I believed what I believed back then was because I got sold a bill of goods via propaganda. And when we really, really drill down to, like, the, the underlying causes of the war and we see how, how uh, these same globalist powers that have been in, back, been in power, you know, since you can trace them all the way back to the money changers in Jesus' time, how they have manipulated things. It's like, I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. All I know is today is I, I know what God is speaking to me to, to today because I'm a sheep and I hear his voice and I know what he's speaking to me for my life. And so it's, uh, and that's why I say, so it, I, I, I don't want to say categorically tell any other person what they should and shouldn't do, except for the fact that you better make sure that you're hearing from God and you better make sure that it lines up with God's word because ultimately you're responsible for that. I am not responsible for it. I can't. I can encourage people to do that and to put that first, but I can't make the decision for them. And that's, and that's what it is for all of us. And then I agree 100%. Kathy and I always try to tell people that whatever you're looking at in your life, you've got to look at it from an eternal perspective. Because like it says in James, this life is but a vapor. And the older we get, the more we realize just how quickly this little vaporous life goes and that we've got to have an eternal perspective and eternity is our goal, not not prosperity, you know, not even safety, not even staying alive here on this earth. It's, it's our eternal destiny. It's what matters. And that is so well-spoken. I totally agree. Um, there's a, um, the purpose of what we're doing on radio right now, because uh, we're looking through a biblical lens. We're looking at the signs of the times. We're giving interpretation to what we see and understand by the Spirit of God. And the whole idea has been to warn people of what is coming to our world, how the Bible has predicted end-time events, and how we, the final generation, are to navigate through. Um, And what that means to me, to the obedient remnant, to the called-out ones, to the sincere on fire, not lukewarm, not cold, but the passionate 
fiery hearts of men and women who love God and do what the Word of God says to do in its entirety, not just at will, but, you know, follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. And the idea is to get them, because I do believe that the call was to tell people, warn them, prepare them for what is coming so that they can get out of the way. And what I know is that very few, in comparison to the totality of Christendom today, are actually going to get out of the way. And those who don't get out of the way and don't prepare their own food supply, their water supply, as led by the Spirit of God, who don't have the basic necessities of life, are going to have a very difficult time getting through the Great Tribulation. And they're going to, people are going to be forced to take a mark. You mean 200 days into the Great Tribulation, you got another 1,000 days to go. In 200 days, all your resources are gone. You're, you're now subject to a world that you can't buy or sell in without the mark of the beast. And, and our, the whole idea here is how we, the body of Christ, should be pressing into the heart of the Father saying, how do you want us to prepare for these 1,260 days? And, uh, you know, we, the supernatural is awesome. I mean, quail from heaven, you know, water from a rock, uh, you know, angel food coming down, you know, in the, in the, in the, the look of manna bread. Um, you know, we get that, but there is something that God is foretelling the people about what's coming. Maybe it's to prepare emotionally, solically, mentally, spiritually, but there, there has to be some information for the body of Christ, right? Yeah, and I mean, and I think different people are going to have different roles, you know. I mean, there are people that God is speaking to, like he spoke, spoke to Joseph, you know, and had to prepare for a coming seven-year famine. You know, there are people that Jesus is saying, you know, go and take nothing with you, you know. And, and uh, there are people that are going to be provided for the way the, the, um, the Jews were in the desert, you know, in, in Exodus. It's like he's, he's got different roles for different people, but all for, for the same ultimate purpose. And so, you know, like for, for this period, this period of time right now, Jesus has told Kathy and I to go and we're here and, and we're preaching quite often to a very hard audience who's who, in a, a post-millennial preterist stream where people, without even realizing that they have an end times view, are, are functioning as if, you know, things are going to get better. Things are going to improve, you know. And we try to tell people they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to improve, you know. There are people here who's, we had a, one prophetic guy come through. He's, he, he teaches the Hebraic roots. And, uh, you know, he prophesied, he said, this place here is like you're all going to be working on farms just to eat, you know. And so that's what he said is going to happen here. There's a lot of farmland here, a lot of farms, and we're all going to be, he said, everybody here is going to be working on a farm and, and so that you can survive because, I mean, this is a Goshen in itself. But, um, I, yeah, I just, I think that, that, I think that the people that, that get it at this point get it, you know, and so more often than not, if someone isn't completely rejecting the things that I tell them, in my experience, then they already get it. And the people that don't, it's like they're going to need some more pain, I think, before it really settles in. And, and, and hopefully that's not going to be too late. Yeah, very, very. So, you know, quick comment. Uh, I wanted to say this to all of our friends out there that, um, you know, the people listening in this country, uh, please do not make the mistake that because you own a weapon, you know how to use a weapon, that that makes you brave. Don't ever look at people that are trusting God as weak people. Our bravery, our 
our um, lack of cowardice, our lack of fear, um, actually makes people more bold and brave because sometimes some people, not all, I know people that you know own weapons and uh, are very well balanced in their thinking and uh, they have military backgrounds and this is their world and they're at peace with this. But there are some people thinking that they're, if I, they're, they're so afraid that they have to own a gun. They're so afraid they have to pick up a weapon and they, they put their faith and trust in that weapon or that gun. Don't ever confuse that as being bold. Now, if you are from, you know, a background and you see a particular wisdom in, in what you're doing and that's your call and God has, you know, confirmed that to your heart, that's one thing because you're more of a shepherd. You're more of the shepherd having a rod. You have a, an idea to protect rather than to, you know, defend, uh, in, in other words. Um, but I just don't want people thinking that your bravery comes from owning a weapon. And that's not to say if you do own a weapon that you're not brave and you're not bold. That's not what I'm saying. Um, all right, Brian, Kathy, we've got about uh, 12 minutes left in the broadcast. You guys got to get running. What is near and dear to your heart right now you want to share with the body of Christ? Well, I think we've been uh, talking, reflecting on the fear, not the fear of God, but like, how people are operating out of fear. And so I would ask the question, you know, take a um, thermometer in your quiet, secret place. Where are your actions coming from fear, you know, or do you have the peace of God, you know, going forward? And to me, this is just everything should be filtered out of the word of God because, yes, we hear from the spirit and we are his children and we hear his voice, but, but, um, First and foremost is the word of God because because our emotions can get in the way sometimes um, when things are so high and hot like life or death and um, you know this when we went through COVID I was just reflecting thinking that gosh it was like a test run with our faith you know is it any different the shot is almost like our our gun for protection. You know, and so how did we handle as individuals COVID, you know, um, were you fearful of it? What And the actions that you took, was it because of fear or was it because of the peace of God or the assurance of God in his protection or just trusting him? And the other thing I'd like to say is I, I just ponder about Paul and his walk in the New Testament and, you know, out of all the generations, you know, they saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus, and then he died and rose again. And so if anybody had a, a reason to protect their faith and their way of life, wouldn't it have been those first Christians? They were so fresh off the press, so to speak, you know. And um, But I never once, if you look at Paul's walk, I mean, he never once said, okay, let's hide out here, let's let's take a huddle and let's protect ourselves from the Romans. You know, I don't see anything in the, uh, in the book about that. And I'm looking, I'm looking for it, you know? So yeah, I just think that uh, we just, everything should be filtered from the word of God. And, um, and like Brian said, I agree with everything he said. And, and it's interesting, you know, when he said, he says it in all four gospels, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose it, his life for my sake shall find it. 
And right before that, he was actually, he said, he said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then he goes on to say, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And um, man, I, I just see it so clear. I mean, to either we're in the kingdom while we're walking on this earth, not we're in, we're on the earth, we're not of it. Either we operate with kingdom principles or, or we operate in the world's ways. And I think the problem is, is when we have one foot in both kingdoms, and I think that's where all this confusion comes, because what I see out of the word of God is, is follow after the Lord. It's like, I just have to agree with everything Brian said, you know, turn the other cheek and, um, and, uh, you know, and have peace about it because I have peace about it. It's going to be suffering, tremendous suffering and a lot of pain. But um, first and foremost, I want to be obedient to where God, what God says. And, and um, I'm just going to follow after him. So t- I, yeah, I it's very interesting. Your thoughts, if I may just quickly interject. Um, the one thing we do find in the scriptures in the book of Acts is we find a bunch of fugitives running from the law. I mean, Paul was let down by a basket, right? So you have a church that's fleeing. You have a church that's being persecuted. You have a church and the, and the leaders of the church hiding from the law. Um, so these aren't Christians that are just, you know, willingly laying their lives down. Uh, they are Christians that are mobile. Uh, they are hiding. They are running. Uh, you know, the law of the land was the Romans when they came in, and they're told to flee into the mountains. And so you do have a lot of that going on. So, Brian, you were yeah. about to say something. Yeah, I, was- I agree with that because, like, I, personally, like, you know, if, if, if they did come down the streets, I mean, my natural thing would be, you know, probably go um, whatever, you know, if we have to leave, if, if this mob's coming down the street, I'm going to get out and, you know, go somewhere. I don't think I'm going to be a sitting duck. <laughs> what about the law? What do you mean? What if the uh, the authorities come for you like they did for Paul? Um, are you going to run them? What would you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably be leaving. Mm-hmm. I'd probably, you know, I I think okay. I would be leaving. Yeah, I think that. Um, I think that. Uh, yeah, I would definitely run if they're persecuting us for being christians and i'm going to continue to run and you know it's sort of like when we went on the mission field we went on went on the mission field with a a willingness to live in poverty but we didn't seek out to become impoverished you know and just like where we if we're willing to lay down our lives that doesn't mean that we volunteer for somebody to go shoot us in jesus name right it's like they fled, they left, you know, but it's interesting because as you were speaking, I was also thinking about, it's one of my, it's, I called my uh, Paul's Rocky Balboa moment. And, and uh, I think it's Acts chapter 14. And, you know, he and he and the, and Barnabas, I think are being pursued by, by some Jewish zealots that want to, or the Pharisees that want to, want to kill them. And uh, they finally end up in Lystra and he's preaching in the city there and they beat him so badly, and they drag his body outside the city. The disciples, his disciples are outside weeping over him because they think he's dead. 
He wakes up. He's like, oh, I guess I'm not dead. He brushes himself off, and he goes back into the city and starts preaching again. You know, for me, that's the, that's the attitude of, of being bold, of, of, of battling in the spirit, is, is, you know, we continue to be obedient to God, and we continue to carry the message. We continue to speak the truth, you know. It doesn't mean we, we walk up to somebody and say, Jesus is Lord, go ahead and shoot me. It's like if we can escape so that we can live the fight another day in the spirit, you know, that's great. I think we should do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, you know, there, there are hard times coming. And I just, you know, it's because we've experienced it. It's when you're walking in obedience to God, that is your greatest protection. That is your greatest shield. Because if, if, the, if you're walking in 100% obedience to what God is telling you to do in that moment, there's nothing that can touch you unless it's his will that you be touched. Mm-hmm. And that's all there is to it. <clears throat> Amen. Ultimate reality to all of this is that every one of us are called to lay our lives down. There's no doubt about it. Jesus is our example. He hid. He played hide and seek with the Pharisees all the time. And yet the time came where it was time for him to lay his life down. And he absolutely did do that. And we are going to lay our lives down. At some point, we're not going to be able to save this human flesh. Either the Lord will return and will be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, which we prefer. That's the way we want to go. I'm sure everybody else does too uh, and has for 2,000 years. But at some point, we're laying this body down. And what's important is where our soul and spirit are going. And we can't have a make-believe, air-filled, empty, you know, hope. There has to be substantial hope that our walk with God in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has demonstrated our being found worthy. And I know people don't like that, but the Bible actually says labor to be found worthy, to stand before him, that you might be accounted worthy to stand before the Lord. And so I think this is all very, very important information. Give you guys, you know, the final word, three minutes. What do you want to say to the body of Christ? Three minutes, Brian and Kathy. Be obedient to the Lord and, and let the confirmation that you're hearing him be his peace that passes all understanding. If, if there's one thing that we learned on the mission field is that decisions, we, might, we need to be led by his peace. No matter how bad it is or how bad it looks, if you're in his will, you can be got, rest assured and you can be guided by his peace. Amen. Amen. Kathy? Well, I just think, um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and um, just intimacy with God, just walking with him, getting more into his word every day because that's where you're going to find the peace. There's a lot of confusion with all the reports and what's going on, but we read the book and we know how it's going to play out, you know, generally. We do. We do. And um, and we're here for each other. So, yeah, you know, I'm not going to stand in front voluntarily to a firing squad, but um, – yeah, if we have to run from this state, we might just be running over to your state. I don't know. And vice yeah. versa, you know. We're here for each other. And um, if we can stay alive an extra day to help another one, you know, then so be it. <laughs> that's a great perspective. I mean, that's that's the selfless life reality that God has called every one of us to. I love what you just said, and I hope everybody just heard it. If we could live another day to just help one more person find their way into eternal life, 
Um, that's pretty darn powerful, and I think that's the way it needs to be. Uh, Brian and Kathy, thank you. I know you guys got to run, so I'm going to let you go. God bless you both. We love you as usual. We're looking forward to seeing you hopefully during the Feast of Tabernacles. God bless you both. God bless, God bless you, too. too. All right. Shalom. All right. So that's going to be uh, the end of our broadcast today. Uh, not much more to say. Um, you know, kind of a feisty conversation. you got to love it because I know that there's two sides to every story. Uh, there's two sides to every coin, except for January 6th hearing committee. Uh, there are two sides to that story. That's just a uh, Jesus being taken in the middle of the night and a bunch of people gathering together to condemn him. Uh, that's what you're looking at for January 6th. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray special for us today. I've got a vominos myself. I've got a very important meeting I'm going to. And uh, thank you again for your prayers. The Holy Spirit will tell you how to pray. I believe that. Uh, thank you. I've been showing you different ways that you can uh, support the ministry. We appreciate all of you who do. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. We have a couple of good comments out here today. Good mornings from a lot of people. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Ken says, I'm standing my ground. That's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. That's how we're preparing. Uh, praise the Lord. Jim Boltmeyer says, the USA will look like France during World War II and Germany took control. Bleak, gray, lifeless. But this is a radical Muslim takeover in the end, not even political or cultural, but religious. Good against evil. The truth of the word is really our only weapon to fight this evil that is coming. Well said, Jim. Uh, by the way, we'll be interviewing Brother Jim. Uh, we were wanting to do it tomorrow. I forgot Daniel Seckham is probably uh, thinking, what happened to me? Uh, so uh, we may be going back on Friday with Jim Boltmer. We're going to have a, an interview with him uh, tomorrow or Friday. We'll keep you in tune to that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank you for your support of the ministry. It's your prayers, your love, and your gifts. And we thank God for each one of you. May the Lord bless you today keep you, make his face shine upon you. And today, live an abundant life. Live an abundant life today. This is what we have right here, right now. Live an abundant life, a quality-filled internal life of peace, joy, hope, faith, love. Let that be your priority today in Jesus' name. And by the way, if anybody out there needs prayer, you always remember, if you need prayer, i got to put this out there. Um, I have it, uh, well, let's just go this way. There's a number on the screen, 479-233-3774. If um, you have a situation going on in your life and you just need to talk to someone and you need to ask for prayer, uh, call that number. There's someone right now waiting to pray with you. 479-233-3774. And uh, that's probably one of the most important lines right now. You know, people are suffering through a lot of bad stuff. We keep hearing about uh, people that are wanting to commit suicide, people that are in drug addiction, people that are alcoholics or stuck in sexual addictions. Um, this is not where you want to be in your soul right now as the end of the age is coming and the end times are here. You want to be freed up from bondage and addiction that would drag your soul into hell. And if you're already part of that, if you're in bondage, you need help. You need to call that number. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to get out of any bondage. And it may not be one of those addictions that I just mentioned. Maybe you're just arrogant and full of pride. 
maybe you uh, have murder in your heart and you're just looking for the opportunity to shoot somebody or kill them. Um, you know, deal with these issues now while you can and get cleaned up before the Lord and walk before him in love and humility. Uh, this is the right way to do it. So um, having said that, remember the number 479-233-3774 is the number to call for prayer. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. We'll either be with Daniel Seckham or Jim Boltmeyer. Either way, it's going to be an awesome program. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Shalom and God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.